York Giants drop one on Thanksgiving against the Dallas Cowboys. And I could say for the both of us, uh, especially on this night of all nights, um, this message really works. Uh, We are both fed up with this Giants team not being able to beat the Dallas Cowboys. Um, it's, It's unbelievable with our turkeys in our mouths. It's, um, yeah, it was pretty bad watching another Giants loss to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, with this one, they dropped both of the games against the Cowboys, both of them being super big games, one of them on Monday Night Football with the Giants having their whiteout early this season at MetLife. I went to that game. Did not end well. The Giants playing the Cowboys uh, during the 4 o'clock slate on Thanksgiving. National television, obviously. Everyone watching, basically, in the United States that thinks anything of football, drop the game there. Another embarrassing show, both on national television to quote-unquote America's team. The New York Giants are now 7-4. and four. They've dropped their last two. Last week against the Detroit Lions, now against the Dallas Cowboys, and they hope to bounce back next week. We'll have to see if that happens, uh, but for right now, we're here to talk about this game and break it down, talk about all the positives and negatives. Uh, before the Giants go and face the Commanders next weekend. 28-20, your final. Alex, how are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, Could be better, but, you know, first of all, before we start talking about the Giants, hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving, had a happy Thanksgiving, Uh, got to spend time with family and didn't focus too much on the Giants losing. Uh, Unfortunately, I couldn't do that, and it kind of ruined my day a, a little bit, I'd say. Um, but hey, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, before the Giants, bef- after before halftime of the Giants game, my Thanksgiving was going well. So hope everyone out there uh, was feeling the same way. I mean, getting to the game, it was just, and we talked about this, Josh and I were texting about it. You know, it was never really a game that the Giants were going to be able to win. Uh, this high powered, you know, Cowboys offense, this depleted secondary um, of DoorDash drivers, as I was joking around with Josh saying, you know, it's really it's really tough, uh, you know, to play in that kind of contest, um, you know, when, when you're playing against such a good defense with, you know, players like Micah Parsons, you know, good linebackers, good corners, uh, and just overall, there's not really a weakness in this Dallas Cowboys team. Uh, overall, they just have solid players everywhere, and on offense, you know, they were just too much for us, their running game, their passing game, literally everything. In all dimensions of the game, they were better than us if we're being completely honest with ourselves. So um, it's it's a tough loss for sure. Uh, it, like I was saying to Josh, like even though I knew this was coming, it didn't make it any less uh, frustrating to watch. Um, but, you know, as much as, as, much as it uh, hurt, there were a couple of positives that happened today as well. And obviously the Giants were up at halftime 13-7, to um, but just weren't able to get things done in the second half. Uh, where the momentum just really shifted to the Cowboys. And uh, it's, it's a tough one. Two losses in a row, three losses in the last four games for the Giants. Um, now 7-4, and four, which, you know, hey, if you told me that we were going to be 7-4 and four at this point in the season, I still would have told you you're insane. So, um, you know, still a very good record for the Giants at this point in the season. And we saw the Lions even today go head-to-head with the Bills, uh, bringing it pretty close to the end. So, obviously, uh, they're not chumps either who we lost to last week and this Dallas Cowboys team like I said before is very good are they NFC championship or Super Bowl good I do not think so 
Um, but, it, you know, it, it's frustrating that the one year uh, the Giants have done well in recent memory, at least besides 2016, um, the rest of the teams in our division are also doing very well. Um, and we're going to have to face another one of those next week. But, uh, I mean, I'll hand it back to you to start talking about the game. I just kind of did like an overall summary, um, but we got some more specifics that we'll get into um, as we go through the episode. Well, Alex, if you remember, I believe the Odell Beckham one-handed catch was in 2016, and I want to say um, it was also a primetime game, maybe Sunday Night Football. Uh, the Giants ended up losing that one, too. I don't know if anyone even knows that, though, but the game that Odell Beckham did have that insane one-handed catch, the catch that his career is all summed up of, um, the Giants ended up actually losing that game against the Cowboys, funny enough. Uh, so, I don't know, just looking back on that. Looking back on this game, um, I think that it was a couple of opportunities the Giants missed. Alex, I mean, you were saying it up until halftime, not even up until halftime, up until the third quarter. I was proud of how this team was fighting uh, and being able to keep it close up until that point was a pretty good thing. I mean, the, the score was 14-13 Dallas in this game at one point uh, in the second half. Whether you want to remember that or not, that's up to you. Uh, but Dallas just took charge. But I also do think, I mean, you you look at the interception, um, and that could be the first thing that we go to of the, the good game that Rodarius Williams had stepping in for injured cornerbacks. He was able to get a uh, interception, his first career interception, might I add. He also had multiple pass breakups in this one. And on that interception, he picked it off. The Giants went three and out. Giants went three and out. Three plays, punt to the ball, Jamie Gillen, who, by the way, I mean, he was indoors today. Uh, in recent weeks, I've kind of I've kind of been calling on Jamie Gillen. I thought his punts today were pretty superb. I think the Giants special teams were so close numerous times from the ball bouncing and then going into the end zone uh, for for uh, uh, getting for the Cowboys to get the ball back at the twenty yard line. Um, there there was a couple times where you know they could have placed that ball at the one. You know, the bounce was either too high or the special teams just didn't get there in time. And that's all right. But I think there was opportunities, uh, even the first Giants drive, where they did, in fact, receive. I believe it was either a three and out or they definitely punted on that first drive. They weren't able to capitalize. Or was that the field goal? I don't remember. I, I believe the first drive of the game, they, they did, in fact, punt. I got so angry. I don't even remember a lot of stuff. <laughs> I, I was just steaming uh, towards the I, end. My Yeah. I think the first drive of the game, they punted, um, and then the Rodarius Williams pick, I know for sure, for damn sure, was a three and out and immediate punt. So those opportunities they could have definitely taken care of, at least gotten a field goal um, from those opportunities, and they weren't able to do that. Um, and then the fourth down. Let's go to the fourth down now. The fourth down, Brian Dable and the Giants offense on, what is it? what was it, their side of the field, right, decided to go for it. Um it was a really close play, a, I want to say, fourth and one. Daniel Jones looks for an option, finds Saquon Barkley. The ball is underthrown to Saquon's right. Barkley going for that ball. Uh, he tries to make the grab not once, uh, in, once there to his right, then once again above him as he's falling down, not able to come down with it, uh, and the Giants turn the ball over. We then find out later that actually the Giants went for that fourth and one with only 10 men on the field. So they did not even have 11 guys out there to help that offense out on that play. So first of all, that was the case. And then you had Saquon Barkley with that drop. Uh, now we're recording this uh, at past 9 o'clock here on Thanksgiving night because that's, uh, that's how much our grind of the Giant Take podcast goes that we're doing this on our Thanksgivings. Um, but 
Anyway, what I meant to say is we were recording this after or during press conferences, and I saw the quote, uh, Saquon Barkley put that hit, you know, put that on himself, which is, I think, a very um, good, and it shows... So did Saquon. Daniel Jones. They both took responsibility, funny enough, yeah. Oh, did they for that play? So, yeah, so I definitely know Saquon Barkley said I should have caught that ball. Um, so I just think that shows the resilience of those players, you know. Kind of let's compare Daniel Jones to Zach Wilson there. Uh, if you know the whole thing with Zach Wilson, he's not playing on Sunday. He got benched. Um, and last week, <clears throat> last week, excuse me, when the Jets' offense only came up with three points, and Zach Wilson was asked if it, you know if he has any responsibility, um, you know if he apologizes to the defense at all, he said, "Nope, absolutely not." And then you look at Daniel Jones here. One play, he apologizes for his performance there and is underthrown. It was underthrown. Um, and you can make a, a kind of a, a comment for either side that Jones should have thrown a better ball and Saquon Barkley could have made a better catch. Um, whatever that play is, if you're confident in going for it on fourth and one, let's make sure we have 11 guys on the field next time. Let's also make sure we have a really, really great play at hand. Maybe that play would have converted if both things happened of Saquon catching the ball and that throw being on point by Jones. Uh, but you got to make sure 11 guys are on the field. You got to make sure you pick a great play. They didn't. That becomes a turnover. Dallas, they eventually score, uh, and they eventually take over this game. It was kind of a, a, a point of when was it going to happen that Dallas was going to take over. The Giants were good enough that at least they took it to the third quarter. Then they busted it open. The scoreline doesn't represent how, uh, you know, how much better the Dallas Cowboys offense was and team as a whole. And I want to say that it was 28-20. Uh, it could have been even wider. The Giants scored late. But I don't want to say this. This isn't a, a you know our most upset episode, Alex. This is a complete difference from what we recorded uh, on Sunday, right? Uh, about how this is the most disappointing episode we've ever recorded. I'm not disappointed in this Giants team. I mean, I mean, I am, but I'm also it, it's not. I'm not frustrated. That's the right word I want to use. I'm disappointed. I'm not frustrated with the effort this team put in. Um, I, I think that the, you know, honestly, with the weapons that they had, wide receivers wise. Uh, the quarterbacks they had defensively wise, defensively wise, defensive wise, I don't know. The, the quarterbacks that they had on defense, um, they gave it their all and they just weren't able to come up with it. Dallas was just the better team. That was a really long talking um, section by me. So I'm going to stop now and I will hand it to you. I mean, when I think about it, I was thinking about this today. I was like, can you count how many players on this Giants team who would be starting on another, like on your average NFL team? And I think I could count today, the starters, for example, from today, those players on one hand, to be honest. Andrew Thomas, Saquon Barkley, Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Thibodeau, Julian Love, maybe. So there you go. Six, like, Daniel uh, there's Jones. so many. I mean, would he start on most teams, on your yes. average NFL team? Yes. I don't know. Maybe. Yes. Um Okay, yeah. After so far, after this season, yes, today again. Another eh, average to below average game for Daniel Jones, but he's still a starting quality quarterback in the NFL. He's not a backup at any standard, I don't think. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But, you know, still, there, there's minimal, it felt like, you know, at least I think the drop-off between the players, I just, you know, counted on my six fingers or whatever I counted, and then, you know, I don't want to pick any particular names out because that's not a good thing to do. But like, you know, some of the other players that were out there tonight, it just felt like the gap was a little bit too much for the Giants to overcome. Um, and I think that was the main problem. And then you look 
and I see people tweeting, right, because I have Twitter open, I'm addicted, I'm sorry, um, but I, I see people tweeting, you know, all the beat writers and stuff, you know, Brian Dable, he seems very upset today, you know, frustrated, I'm like, what do you expect him to be, happy? Like, what do you want him to be? Obviously, it can I can't even not even imagine, it's frustrating for us to watch as fans, but imagine how frustrating it must be to coach a team that their offensive line, three of the five offensive linemen are switching every single week. Your players are going down. Your best players on your team are going down. It feels like every quarter, you know, your players, you know, it's, you're going up against one of the best teams in the NFL and you're so shorthanded that players that you've only met maybe two days ago are playing. Like that cannot be a fun experience for an NFL coach. And the fact that he even kept the Giants in this game. And the fact that we were leading at halftime, obviously due to some of the individual errors that the Cowboys made in the first half. But I think that's frustrating. And I don't understand why people are tweeting about it. Like, oh, he seems upset. You know, he seems a little bit frustrated. Like, yeah, I would expect him to be frustrated. If he was just completely fine, then I'd be a little bit shocked. Like, what the hell's wrong with him? Uh, kind of like with Daniel Jones, who always seems to be absolutely fine and just me- a monotone. But you know, we're not going to discuss that. Anyway, I wanted to talk a little bit more uh, about the Giants defense. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau really stepped up today. Obviously, he went out with like that cramp uh, that we all thought was like a knee injury or something. We we're all scared and terrified, but it was just a cramp. He finished the game with five QB hits, uh, tied the season high single uh, record for the season. That didn't make any sense, but you understood what I said. Uh, tied with Dexter Lawrence, uh, which was against the Texans and Leonard Williams versus the Seahawks. Uh, and that is per our friend Justin Penick. So shout out to him. Um, he's going to be on WFAN, it sounds like, tonight talking Giants, uh, talking about Giants uh, from Talking Giants, if that makes any sense. So shout out to him. Uh, our episode will be out by then or out after that, but, you know, still shouting it out. I, I think overall, Kayvon Thibodeau, you saw he was getting held a lot. We'll talk about the referee calls in a bit. But he was getting held a lot. He was getting lots of pressure on the quarterback. I felt like this was his breakout game. The stats don't say it, uh, but I thought he was very, very good today. And uh, him and Radarius Williams were like the two main positives uh, on the defensive side of the ball. All right, so let's see. What what haven't we really covered yet? I mean, we, did, we, did you talk about Andrew Thomas yet, Alex? I did not. Actually, I, can I talk about that real quick? Because I have an additional comment to make about that. Yeah, uh, go So for Andrew it. Thomas actually allowed two sacks today to Micah Parsons. Obviously, Micah Parsons, extremely talented, uh, has 12 sacks on this season. Andrew Thomas clearly playing with an illness. Uh, they did a post-game interview with him. He had a mask on, and he was kind of like sniffly and sounding all sick, um, if that makes any sense. Um, and, you know, tough, tough day for him, obviously going up against one of the best edge rushers in the league um, or linebackers, whatever you want to call Micah Parsons, just a defensive beast. Um, but obvi- obviously, Micah Parsons has his own issues, uh, it seems, in the locker room uh, that we've heard in the past. Uh, not to say that this is why, but he did just tweet out, heard he was the best. I stayed on his side all game. Uh, kind of a little dig at Andrew Thomas um, and Giants fans are obviously rallying to Thomas's defense, uh, mentioning Parsons' incidents in Penn State with the locker room and how he got into a fight with his teammates, etc. Um, so, in you know, fun little tussle there. But obviously, Parsons did get the better of Thomas today. Um, and, you know, unfortunate. Uh, Parsons, obviously a good player. You can't deny that. Um, and he's producing for the Cowboys. And Andrew Thomas, obviously, is going to have to get back uh, to practice and, you know, 
get back to uh, the way he was playing. He had a good game besides those two reps. Um, And, you know, two reps don't define you, I guess you could say. Uh, And hopefully he can get back at it next week. But, yeah, Andrew Thomas did have a rough day along with the whole offensive line, if we're being honest. Uh, And he was playing against Jack with alongside Jack Anderson. Uh, For some context, his fifth left guard of this season, I believe, or fourth left guard of the season that he's played with, uh, one of those two numbers. So, uh, you know, tremendous job from Thomas so far this season, uh, 12 games in, and this is his first sack allowed, 11 games in, excuse me. So moving from giving up two sacks or on, you know, our offensive line giving up two sacks, specifically Andrew Thomas to the Giants defensive line or just defense in general, they didn't even get a single sack in this game on Dak Prescott. I think that gives credit to the offensive linemen on the side of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, as well as just the Giants did not provide enough pressure tonight. You did not hear Dexter Lawrence's name once, really, besides the one time they mentioned him as one of the best nose tackles in the NFL. You did not see that tonight. You heard Dex- uh, Dexter Lawrence, as I just yeah. talked what about. What I would him. say real quick about Dexter Lawrence is every single rep I watched, he was double teamed. I'm pretty sure. I didn't see a rep where he wasn't double teamed. Obviously, I wasn't watching him every single time, but it felt like he was double teamed at an insane rate today, especially when Leonard Williams went out. Uh, for a little bit, it felt like Dexter Lawrence was double teamed like crazy. I'm not sure if that was kind of the O-line game plan for them. Um, but yeah, it was really tough for him to get any pressure there. Uh, especially when sometimes he was going up against Zach Martin already. Uh, and then he had another double team coming his way. So certainly a tough day for Dexter Lawrence. Uh, besides that, I would just say that Kayvon Thibodeau was the only guy, uh, that deserves some recognition besides him. Uh, then you look towards the cornerback being Rodarius Williams. Um, a- after those two names, I-, I don't know what else to say. I mean, look, going into this game, we talked about our players to watch, and I said that it would be Nick McLeod. Who is he going to cover? He's going to cover Michael Gallup. Is he going to cover CeeDee Lamb? Well, he covered uh, a good amount of people today, and uh, they basically all got open. Well, so I'm not sure if he got. I'm not sure if he covered anyone really. He was standing by players. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's not even on Nick McLeod. On I mean, yes, it's on Nick McLeod, but he's not a projected starter on any NFL roster, like Alex was kind of mentioning earlier. So obviously, you have to blame him because he was directly covering these wide receivers, but. We're, you're not really expecting him to make these plays. I was not expecting him to make these plays, and that is why I called him out as a Giants player of the, game, of, the, of the game to watch because whoever he was on, I was saying be scared for them to get open, uh, and that's exactly what happened today. So that just it is what it is, um, and unfortunately it just didn't end up in the Giants' favor. Uh, it went the opposite way. So something that did go in the Giants' way that was positive in the first half which was really fun and exciting. The one really big thing that happened in this game for the Giants on the Giants' side, and I'm sure Alex will have a thing or two to say about this as well, Darius Slayton with a absolute beautiful 44-yard catch hitting the Giants up for a touchdown. Uh, I, you know, He was super close to being in anyway. Luckily, Saquon Barkley was able to punch it in because if we didn't score a touchdown there, I would have been losing my mind. But Darius Slayton caught it and got down at the one. Daniel Jones, that was his first completion of more than 40-plus air yards this season. Mike Kafka coming along from the Chiefs offense. Only one play that he's kind of, I guess, set up for Daniel Jones to have 40-plus air yards on the season. Keep that in the back of your heads. Yes, we don't have the wide receivers to do more, but you would still think maybe with his Kansas City mind, we would have some trickery up our sleeve. Uh, but doesn't seem like it. So just remember that. And Daniel Jones being one of the best 
according to the stats, like being one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL. So it's not like he doesn't have the arm for it. He does. He has the arm, not only the arm, but the accuracy and precision to complete these deep throws. Yet there's only been one. So again, keep that in mind. Just not enough big play, big plays for the Giants offense because they just hope the running game works because they had Saquon Barkley and it doesn't always work, but it did. Oh, it definitely did. Uh, late in the game, and we'll talk about that in a minute. I'll let Alex have his say about Darius Slayton first. Yeah, Darius Slayton, again, had a pretty good game. Um, and I, like I've said going forward, I think he can be a great wide receiver to be, uh, you know, wide receiver three on any team. I think he's a starter NFL caliber wide receiver. I think he's a good player, but you need an alpha number one receiver. I've said this a million times, blah, blah, blah. No one wants to hear it again. Um, but yeah, another good game from Slayton. Um, and, and then I did want to talk about some of the play calling, uh, before you talk about some of the play calling on offense in the final, uh, two drives, I guess you want to say, I wanted to talk about defensive play calling. Cause we all know Wink, uh, he won't let up from the blitz, no matter what players are on his team. And it kind of felt like after a while, it was like a suicide mission. Uh, when you got some of these corners manned up against CD lamb, against Michael Gallup, uh, against Tony Pollard in certain cases against Dalton Schultz, like it just felt not like a good idea like maybe we should just drop some guys back play a little bit more shell coverage zone coverage and hopefully you know get a turnover here and there uh, off some nice reads by our dbs but it just felt like after a while wink was sending five six seven players at the quarterback leaving our guys on an island it just didn't seem like a good idea and i know giants fans were kind of tweeting about it throughout the game as well i just didn't think that was the right you know, approach. I think there's times where it's good to stick to your guns like Wink does and just keep blitzing, keep blitzing. But there's other times you just need to adapt. And I think that's going to be an important thing that I'm not sure is Brian Dable going to possibly address with Wink Martindale or is he going to kind of leave that to Wink? We'll have to wait and see. But I think that's something interesting today that happened. You know, you look at our personnel and I think our personnel today fit zone much better or at least not blitzing basically every other play. And I think that's something that Wink Martindale is going to have to revisit looking at the tape. Alex, I mean, he can revisit it during watching of the tapes, but I do not think he will change his defensive game plan at all. Don Wink Martindale has been doing this for a long, long time. Um, he is well into his coaching career. And Brian Dable and Joe Shane knew exactly what the heck they were getting into when they decided to jointly hire the guy. Um, they knew exactly what his schemes were, and he was blitz-heavy. And just because in one game that those blitzing heavy packages did not work, you don't just go ahead and say, you know what, F it. I'm going to change my whole system. You know, it's one unsuccessful period. I I get that, but I think what it is more is that it's not as much the philosophy. The philosophy can stay if you have Adoree Jackson out there, if you had James Bradbury out there, if you have elite corners out there, like the Ravens did. They had Marlon Humphrey, etc. But when those guys go down and you're left with, no offense, like I'm not putting you know down on anyone but like Nick McLeod or Darius Williams and Darnay Holmes out there instead of your Adoree Jacksons it kind of felt like it's it's just not a good idea you know those guys can hold up when they're able to be you know have some sort of protection whether that means safeties over the top or being in zone coverage I think that's an important thing that Wink needs to adjust based on the personnel more uh, you know he's always used to in, in Baltimore of course he was so I guess, uh, you know, blessed to have all these talented defensive players, especially in the cornerback room, Marcus Peters, Marlon Marlon Humphrey, others I'm sure I'm forgetting, uh, that they always had a good room there and they could always, you know, even if one went down, they still had solid players. I think with this Giants team, it's a little bit different. Uh, So maybe he will have to adjust here. 
Um, I mean, you could cut me off. I'm going to come right back and say, I still disagree with you. Uh, I think that that's a, that's a really bad look for Wink Martindale in response to his players. So you're telling me that these backups who are supposed to come in and what Wink Martindale is supposed to tell them in the meeting rooms is, listen, we're going to step up here. No, it's actually, okay, so basically our starting cornerbacks are out. You guys are the backups. Because of that, I don't trust my own game plan. I'm going to have to change it to favor you guys because you guys are pretty bad. And I know you're looking on mute already, Alex. Let me finish, please. Thank you. I feel like this is about to start being skipping Shannon Undisputed or first take with goddamn Stephen A. Smith. I would like to finish my point. You're telling me, hey, you guys are backups. I want to change my game plan to favor you to help this defense. No, you don't do that. Because then you use, that's how you lose a locker room. And that's how we become an Arizona Cardinals type team or a Houston Texans type team where the offseason, that team's going to blow up or they blow up, for God's sake, during the season. You A coach can't change their game plan based on who they have. You have to have trust in your players. And by taking a bunch of backups and saying, I don't trust you, I'm literally going to change what I do during my every single game uh, you know, philosophy I think is ludicrous. I I don't, that's just, in my mind, that's crazy. You don't do that. You keep your philosophy. You keep your blitz-heavy packaging. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It sucks. Yeah, it sucks we're missing a Dory Jackson and Fabian Moreau. We didn't want them getting injured against the goddamn Detroit Lions. We wanted to beat the Detroit Lions with all our players healthy. I want everyone back. I want Xavier McKinney to not fall off an ATV and break his hand. But guess what? He did, and he's out for a few more weeks. So here we are. We're in the situation. We now lost another wire, uh, another cornerback Excuse me, in this game. And we're down three cornerbacks for next week against the Washington Commanders. So what are we going to do then? We're just going to have everyone stand in the end zone, let Washington run with Brian uh, Brian Robinson 50 yards down the field, and then when they get to the five-yard line, all of our cornerbacks will come in from the end zone. I feel like you want to do cover three deep in Madden right now. You want to send everyone back. Let's do prevent offense, right? Like it's a Hail Mary every time because we don't have anyone able to cover. We're down three cornerbacks. So that's what we're going to do, guys. All right, Don Martindale in his meetings this week. This is what we're going to do. We're going to run prevent offense like it's a Hail Mary. Every single play, just drop back. We can't have them score a touchdown, guys. That's what we're going to do. Sorry, go ahead. I think you're kind of moving into an extreme, though. That's not what I'm saying. I think you're taking my my point out of context. You're taking what I'm saying and moving it to the extreme. I'm not saying don't blitz. I'm just saying let's not maybe blitz with both safeties. Let's have someone over the top, maybe. That's not a terrible idea. Like, these players are not blind, right? Like, for example, I'm trying to think. Nick McLeod knows he is not as good of a corner as a Dory Jackson, right? He knows that. So you have to adjust, like, his feelings isn't going to, he's a paid professional. His feelings are not going to get hurt. Like, you need to adjust. I'm not saying you need to adjust that you never, ever blitz. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, instead of blitzing 60% of the time, blitz 50% of the time. Like, not enough that it's, like, a, a huge noticeable difference, but on third and 18 Maybe don't blitz like you would if you had a Dory Jackson, right? I'm not saying on first down you can't blitz or on second down you can't, but on third and 18 when it's, you know, it, whether or not they're in field goal range or not or something like that, I think it's okay to change up your game plan a little bit. I don't think that's going to impact your player's morale or the locker room or whatever because I think these players are aware. They're not, you know, they're not they're not kindergartners. They're, their feelings aren't going to get hurt just because they didn't get a gold medal, you know? I, I think I think it's a little bit different. I'm not saying that we should play cover three, three men deep, 10 safeties all standing in the end zone, right? 
I'm just saying maybe a safety over the top's not a terrible idea at certain times. Um, and Alex, I think the funniest part about this discussion is I, I agree with you. I mean, I fully agree with you. I, what, my def- what, what I'm defending is that this is why we're podcasters and they're coaches. Because what you're talking about is just not going to happen. We can say as much as we want. You could say as much as you want. Wink. I mean, go Wink's with- not going to change. We got. We know that. Right? Yeah. We so that, that that's all I'm saying is that w- you can say Wink. Go in your meeting and like, look, your blitz packaging with these backup, you know, cornerback safeties, they are not working. Like this needs to change. It won't. Uh, but we can say as much as we want that it will. And this is exactly why when we were at the Lions game last week, Alex, we were sitting next to each other, obviously, and you were like. Ooh, personally, like I, I would run it here and then they end up passing it. And I was like, this is why you're up here in the stands. And this is why the coaches are down the sidelines. Right. I mean, I remember saying that exact same thing to you, stuff like that. So yeah. So at the end of the day, it's funny in this discussion that we might've gone back and forth there a little bit. Uh, we both agree. I think your point is super valid. It just, what I'm defending is that it just won't happen. And Wink is not going to change his philosophy because he's got a couple backups in there. He's going to stay true and he's going to hope that his players step up. And I think that's, I'm sure what he's telling them right now. Hey, we didn't step up today. We got another game next week. We're going to have to go into it. We have a longer break. Happy Thanksgiving. You know, enjoy a little bit of time off with your families. We got to practice starting Monday. I need everyone in here. I need everyone focused because we just dropped two in a row. And I'm going to be doing the same exact thing next week. And I need you to play a hell of a lot harder, a hell of a lot faster and a hell of a lot better because that, because, because we dropped a game this week. So that's what he should be saying in the locker room. Again, I'm not him though. So we're going to move on now. Let's talk about how this game ended because Alex, again, we might discuss this a little bit, um, a little bit of back and forth, maybe upcoming. We'll see. Okay. The Giants proceeded to establish their running game, is how I put it. Uh, Their running offense, their rushing offense, whatever you want to call it, down 15 points with five minutes left. What I saw was a Giants squad that was a complete no-effort offense in trying to at least attempt to tie the game. Yes, it's the, the percentage points are low there. You know, you go on ESPN when it's, what was it, Alex, 28-13? Uh, with five minutes left in the fourth quarter, you go on the ESPN, uh, you know the the ESPN website. Yeah, it probably says Dallas is favored ninety seven percent. The Giants aren't on the field checking their phones to see that. They should be running, and I mean running. I mean sprinting, running up to that line of scrimmage to either spike the ball or call another play or call a timeout. I don't care. I I I get your point, and we were texting about it obviously during the game. Your point was more, they need to make sure the offense is systematic. It needs to be flowing. And by running, what's the point in that? You're just rushing the offense for them to fail. I understand your point, but also the time isn't on our side. The clock isn't on our side, as well as the timeouts that we currently do not have. There are no timeouts for us to use to take to our advantage. So we need to do some out routes or do some routes up the middle, expose Dallas if they're running a zone, forcing us to the to the middle of the field. Use that and try and make a couple moves. And then, you know what, if you get out of bounds, great. If you don't, I mean, you, you know, you get tackled in the middle of the field, that's fine. I need everyone, offensive line, wide receivers, running backs, and quarterback included, to run up there and spike the shit out of the ball. <laughs> that's what you need to do. And they just didn't do that. And I felt like the team was walking. Daniel Jones was walking. And they just were not creating consistent plays. And why are we running it down two touchdowns with five minutes to go? That's what I'm really confused about. We're getting 15-yard rushes from Saquon Barkley. 
but it doesn't even matter because we don't even need those rushes right now. We need another 40-plus yard deep throw to Darius Slay. And I saw no deep looks in that entire last five minutes from Daniel Jones when that was the most amount of time where we needed those. It was a necessity at that point, and we just didn't have it. Yeah, I mean, I think that offensive drive was just very poorly conducted by Mike Kafka and Daniel Jones. It just wasn't, you know, it, the pace wasn't quick enough, um, obviously, for that situation. I think part of it to do with it is the fact that you have this makeshift offense with three different offensive linemen, totally, you know, different receivers. I think it's tough um, to do that, uh, especially when you don't have guys, you know, you don't have your do- go-to guys, right? Like Josh Allen, when he's in that two-minute drill, for example, in that Lions game today. I'm not sure if you were watching, Josh, but he has Steph Diggs. Like, he knows Steph Diggs, like, I'm right here. Like, Steph Diggs is going to be there. He's my guy. Did you Daniel see Stephon Diggs, though? Did you see Stephon Diggs? Stephon Diggs caught one of those balls. I remember this specifically. He caught one of those balls. He went, timeout, timeout, timeout. Got up immediately after he caught it. Timeout, timeout, timeout with his hands, right? That's what I need. Yes, That's I, the hustle I want to see. And I'm not seeing that hustle at all when we're down. Yeah, I, I think overall it just wasn't called properly, uh, you know, offensive play calling wise. And at that point, it just seemed like this Giants offense really couldn't get moving. So I think they were more focused on just getting to the next play um, than than moving quick and, you know, kind of looking farther ahead. I think they were more focused, hey, we need to get a touchdown on this drive type thing. Uh, and overall, you know, backfired because they didn't get a touchdown anyway, so didn't really matter uh, anyway. Um, you know, before we talk about a couple injuries, before we wrap it up, there were obviously a couple bad calls from the refs, lots of misholding calls. Um, but again, you know, what are you going to do? I don't want to like sit here and bash the refs for another 20 minutes. Like, yeah, the refs weren't great today, but you know, it is what it is. The Giants also just weren't great today. So, uh, yes, would a better refereeing have helped the Giants and maybe made it a closer game? Yes, most definitely. But uh, I still don't think uh, it was going to be a game that the Giants were going to be able to win. And also, could you could you make the it's AT and T Stadium? Is it Jerry's world? Yeah. Is it America's team? Of yeah, course. I mean, he moves the is uprights. Thanks- like, what do you want us to do? <laughs> is, it, is it Thanksgiving? Of course it is. So if it's America's team in Jerry's world on Thanksgiving. Sure, the rest are going to be a little bit on the Cowboys' side. We have to know that going into the game, right? So we can say yeah, all like, that we on. want. Like, yeah. But at the end of the day, uh, the, the, loss, the, <laughs> loss, <laughs> the loss does fall on the Giants, right? It does make the Giants another, you know, another loss gets added to the standings. It does go from 7-3 and three to 7-4. and four. The rest, unfortunately, they don't get a loss in their paycheck. They don't get a negative really matter. how much money for how they how they call the game, right? It sucks, but that at the end, the loss falls on the team, not the referees. Uh, but another loss with the Giants is what we talked about earlier with the injuries. So we already mentioned Leonard Williams with the strained calf. Um, although he did, in fact, go to the locker room, he came back on the field, came back on the sideline, grabbed his helmet, and went right the heck back out there, and I love that. That's what I like to see uh, from our guys fighting through injuries to stay on the team. Um um, that's tenacity, and that's what I love to see from Leonard Williams. So great thing there. Um, another unfortunate thing, I talked about how we are now down three cornerbacks. Cordell Flott, being the next guy on the list, suffered a concussion, left the Giants, uh, leaving the Giants cornerback room even thinner. Already they're without starters, Adore Jackson and Fabian Moreau. Flott, uh, I think he connected on an angle with a hit to the head, 
after trying to tackles tackle a Cowboys wide receiver. I don't remember exactly who it is, um, and it is an, it is a concussion for Flot. It depends on how long the recovery process takes. Obviously, we know that concussions last normally on a normal basis. Again, I say normal third time. One to two weeks. Luckily, if there's any time to get a concussion, I don't know how I can positively spin that whatsoever. But I guess getting it on a Thursday when the next game is next Sunday is the best. I mean, I guess a bye week is even better. But he gets a couple extra days of rest is what I'm trying to go after to hopefully make the you know, get him off the concussion protocol for practices next week. Maybe even the game against the commanders. We aren't Twitter doctors though, Josh. We're not Twitter doctors. We aren't, but funny enough, you want to make all those Twitter doctor jokes. I said on <laughs> the podcast, right they were right Wondell once. Robinson had a serious knee injury. He's out for the rest of the season with the torn ACL. So for some reason they had that one right. But anyway, I just want to say that I hope these extra couple days will help him get off the concussion protocols. Uh, by next game against the Commanders, and he can play and even practice before then. That would be wonderful. So, hope uh, Cordell Flott definitely gets better with a concussion there. Concussions are scary stuff, man. We see it in the NFL way too often. So, sucks. It sucks. This loss sucks. It all sucks. Um, and the Giant Take Podcast is one of the things that doesn't suck, though. And you want to know how you can help support the Giant Take Podcast? You can do that by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to the podcast. Subscribe or by after subscribing, rate it five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. To find more places to listen, go to shipitstudios.com slash giant take. And yeah, there's also one place to watch too. That's on YouTube. And this recap that you're listening to, if you're listening to it, it's also on YouTube. So people who are watching it, thanks for watching us here. Um, we appreciate it. So with that being said, we're also on social media, Twitter and TikTok, the giant take pod, Instagram and Facebook, the giant take podcast. Alex on Twitter at Inorian23. I'm on Twitter at Joshella29. Alex, I will leave it to you now to close this Thanksgiving recap pod out. Once again, we wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Hope everyone had a great day, uh, besides the Giants' loss, of course. Before I wrap this one up, I did want to end it with a fun, uh, uplifting stat uh, to begin your weekend. Kayvon Thibodeau played 21 rush uh, pass rush snaps this weekend, or today. I don't know why I said this weekend, and generated pressure on 38.1% of them. Uh, Among players with 20 or more pass rush snaps in a game, this was the third best performance of the year. Um, So there you go. 38.1% of his pass rush snaps, he created pressure. So big positive there for hopefully uh, great and improving uh, rookie first round pick. Um, and hopefully he just continues to improve each and every week, and hopefully it kind of converts in the stat department. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to today's episode. Hope everyone has a great Black Friday and uh, you know tech weekend or whatever they call it. Uh, don't spend too much money. Don't waste any money. Um, you know, be smart. And uh, we'll see you all next whoa, week. Whoa, whoa. Oh, uh, never. Well, I mean, you already did it, but I was gonna say, what did you find out? What's on Saturday, Alex? I told you about the other day. Oh, Saturday is Small Business Saturday, right? Yeah, Isn't there you go. I did not know it was Small Business Saturday. So go support your small businesses on Saturday. You know, feed the Amazon monster on Friday and uh, we'll be all good to go <laughs> next week. <laughs> Thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you next time. Peace.
Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.